Continue through Mark 13. We are weaving our way in and around this chapter by looking at the themes that Jesus taught in this challenging discourse. We are today going to be in verses 3 through 6, and then 21 and 22. We'll be reading the scripture first as we want to hear from the Lord before we come to his table. So, Mark 13, beginning at verse 3. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And now on to verse 21. And if anyone says to you at that time, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert, I have already told you everything. The verses that we read this morning take us back to the beginning of the chapter where we haven't been for a few weeks to see the question which started Jesus' whole dialogue here. Remember, as they were leaving the temple, one of the disciples remarked how large it is, how grand it is, and Jesus tells them that soon the whole thing will be gone. They have walked outside the city walls now and are sitting on the Mount of Olives, which has a good view of the imposing temple across the Kidron Valley. The Mount of Olives is significant during Jesus' time on earth. He passes through this area many times in his ministry travels. They will go through part of this area in the triumphal entry, and Jesus will weep over Jerusalem from this vantage point. It was also here where Jesus was praying to be released from the pain of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, which literally means Garden of Oil Press. This was where he was arrested with Judas leading the way. And it was from this mount that Jesus ascends to heaven. And it is where, according to the prophet Zechariah, he will return. So the Mount of Olives is a meaningful location to the Lord, a place of prayer and contemplation and revelation about eternal matters. Mark 13 is called the Olivet Discourse by scholars as Jesus is teaching another important moment in this place. Now remember, it begins with four of his closest followers and they come to him and they ask him, when? Lord, when will the temple come down? What is the sign that we should look for as the time is getting close? They're intrigued and they want a time frame. When is a question we like to ask all the time. When are you going to be arriving? When is dinner? When will we get there? When will my team go to the Super Bowl? When will I hear about my medical tests? When will we have enough money? Lord, when are things going to get better? God, when are you going to answer my prayers? The disciples ask when, and the Lord does not tell them. Instead, he answers all kinds of questions they did not ask 
including what we talk about today, how people will come falsely in his name in order to lead his followers away from him. Jesus wants his followers to know fake messiahs are going to raise up. And I was thinking, how many people would say that they are Jesus today? This is a bold thing to declare, and it has broad implications on many levels. In August 2017, a writer for National Geographic photographed and told the stories of five men around the world, each who claim they are the second coming of Jesus. The writer had been long intrigued with the Lord's promise of coming back soon and decided to start looking to see if there were any messiahs. Now, these five share some commonalities. Each of them have a time when they say they were awakened to their identity. They all have a small band of followers, and they have gatherings where they celebrate some aspect of themselves. Now, they're in different parts in the world. One's in Brazil, one is in Japan, one is in South Africa. They're not connected at all, except for their claim. Now, the writer came to an interesting conclusion that the New Testament is full of contradictions, he says. But each one of these men, quote, has a narrative that sort of reconciles these inconsistencies being more coherent in some ways than the scripture we have. What? Whoa. Think about what he's saying. That these men, all of them can't be Jesus. That these men somehow embody something that is more coherent than the word of God. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about. Counterfeits coming in the name of God, saying they are him, claiming authority, using his credibility, his history, what he's done on the cross. So that others will worship them. Jesus says, beware, let no one lead you astray. Don't believe it when people say, look, there he is. He says they will appear and produce signs in order to steal faithful people away from God. Now in our culture, our milieu, we might not hear of many people announcing that they are Jesus. But there have been a great number of cultic leaders people have chosen to follow. Some quite well-known and countless others who have operated on the fringes. In the 1970s, we experienced this as a family. One of my siblings loved the Lord and was looking for a place to belong. Now, in that time, there was revival of those following Jesus But there was also a backlash against denominations, which led to an opening for those who would take advantage. It was into this vortex that my sibling began following a woman who was charismatic and seemingly prophetic. She had a home church. She had a strong following. But it was a spiritually abusive situation. She controlled those around her. It was masked as authentic Christianity, but it was really weird spiritual stuff about her. Like many imposters, her real life was completely immoral and out of control. And it took a lot of courage for those who eventually left. And even today, there are scars. 
and challenges faced by those who were led astray by this one spiritual leader in this one tiny town in California. Just one. But think about all all of those that have been. Imagine how many have wandered away from God because of this kind of evil. What is it about us that can be led astray? In our brokenness, we can be very vulnerable to those who promise a refuge, who promise a place of healing and belonging. We are made to worship. We are made to trust. So when someone pays special attention to us or invites us to be part of something that they say is great and they're trying to accomplish for God, it can be easy to fall into it. We want to believe those who sound like scriptural Christians, and sometimes we're too far in before we recognize the danger. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples when the temple will come down, but he gives them such sound instruction to be aware, be aware, look around you, be aware of the signs of the times. Don't be deceived, don't be fooled. By appearances, don't be led away from me, he's saying, by those who don't really love you, by those who just want to deceive you, by those who just want followers. Have you ever had a friend call up pretending to be someone else? We have a friend who calls us regularly, like uses this crazy voice. You know, it's always something different. And at first, you know, we always fall for it. Oh, yeah, you know, this guy is calling from whatever. And, you know, and then you can't really tell any difference. But then there are like little nuances or there are words that aren't quite right. And suddenly your brain wakes up and you realize, ah, man, he got me again. (laughs) He's having a joke at our expense and we laugh. But those who pretend to come from the one true God, they're always found out in the end. It's no joke because the damage done can truly fracture a person for years. It can fracture families and the body of Christ. The game only lasts so long and we pray for those who have suffered long-term consequences from false shepherds in the church. Those who trusted the wrong people, who had motivations which were more about their own need for glory than God's glory. And we pray for those who deceive, believing God will save them when they turn to him in truth. So as we take communion this morning, there are a couple of connections that we can make from this teaching. One is for us to always be committed to knowing the voice of Jesus. We have to be able to differentiate his voice from All of the other noises that we have in life. There are many false prophets in our world. There are many people in our world who lie straight to our face. Who want us to buy whatever it is that they're selling. And we are easily led astray when we are seeking something other than God's life in us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So they can follow me. What does God's voice sound like to you? How do you know when you're hearing his voice and not another? It's imperative for each of us that we take time every day to listen to him, to be alert to his abiding presence in us. 
Also, as we come forward, we want to commit to the truth that God leads us into, not another truth that someone else gives us or we ourselves think of on our own. God is our king. He has died in our place. And so we join all of creation, all of the saints in heaven to worship God as father, son, and spirit. Jesus says here he has given us everything that we need in order to live in him. So in communion, we come forward and we receive the mercy, the mercy offered for our sin, for what he did on the cross. We come to God through Jesus. The disciples asked when. When, Lord, tell us when the temple's coming down. Tell us what the signs are going to be. This is often where we focus. On details that the Lord will not answer. So instead, let's ask how Jesus' words show us how it is that we are to live every day in him. How then shall we live, Lord, in light of this teaching? How is it that you want us to utilize your wisdom? Who in my life is being deceived? Who is it that needs to know your truth and your grace and your love poured out? So in this time of quiet, we contemplate and mourn the harshness of our world, the disease of our world, how there are those who lie when they don't have to. But we also seek God and rejoice that he has a plan for us and that he speaks truth, that he is truth and life and the way So let us come away today with a deeper understanding of God's life in us and what that means. And let us seek to nurture his life in us however we can. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.